0: Welcome, welcome back to Boss Uncaged podcast. So today is going to be a special treat. I, I never really have the opportunity to interview someone that's on this particular um, caliber of level. And I, I, watching these guys grow and prosper in, in the podcasting community. And, and I'm looking at like our overlap of people that we've interviewed, people that are in the same circles, like our LinkedIn profiles, our friends on Facebook. It's like, every time I look, it's like, oh, that's a new person. That's a new person. It keeps growing and growing and growing and growing. So I want to introduce you to... The content is profit podcast host, and also there are the biz bros, right? So um, the nickname for them was kind of difficult. I was trying to give them a nickname, and I was thinking about the nickname. I was like, yeah, I can kind of compare them to like like Captain America and, and Iron Man, or maybe Batman and Superman. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to keep it simple. So they're going to be the content bosses. And obviously, by, by by the picture in the background, you can tell why we're talking about content. So without further ado, why don't you tell a little bit more about who you are and what we're going to talk about today, guys.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, like, this is, uh, we're extremely excited to be here on your, on your show on the platform. So mm-hmm. thank you for allowing us some space to, to chat really. Um, so my name is Luis, uh, his name is also Luis, uh, but we call him Fonzie <laughs> for no reason or not. no, I'm kidding. <laughs> his middle name is Alfonso, long story. Anyways, we're actual brothers as well. And, uh, we've been in business for about seven years now, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit of everything, but for the last couple of years now, we've been really focused on on content and that's when really everything took off for us. That's it. Yeah. That's a very really fast version.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, with that, I mean, obviously you guys have done multiple different things. I mean, part of your bio, you, you talked about you was doing merch, you was doing multiple different things. So and it, it seems like, you know, when you go on that journey and you're trying to figure things out, All the things that you've learned, you guys progressively have put them into a ball. And now you're creating this content for yourself and for other people. So let's let's talk about that journey. Like, how long have you guys been on this road to where you are?
2: Yeah, I mean, it is definitely a progression. You know, one thing teaches you something that you'll need on the next thing that you're going to do. So like my brother said, about seven years ago, I was about to graduate college. I think he was already out of college. And as an international student, you got plenty of limitations in there on what you can do and what you cannot do. So we were, you know, trying to get creative. What should we do um, to, you know, stay here in the States where there's plenty of opportunity, a little bit of context on that. We are from Venezuela in South America, very difficult political, economical situation. So we got scholarships here in the U.S. to come play soccer. And that's why we're here in the first place, right? But after that opportunity, we're chasing the next one, right? What is next for us? And that's when we decided to start a business. And, you know, we did stickers, uh, screen printing for t shirts, which was absolutely. Horrible. Which, <laughs> by know? the way, for
1: for each one of these opportunities, we thought that was the op- the one. Yeah, yeah that we're was like, the oh, one. Yeah, we're like, oh, we're <laughs>
2: definitely we're definitely gonna be millionaires in two weeks, right? And when when we started the t-shirts, we one over we started that one with one of our roommates, and he invested into this like five different heads machine where we could you know screen print in the garage because every cool founder starts <laughs> in the garage, right? And we live in Florida, where it's like ninety. Degrees is like 120% humidity. And for these shirts, if you don't know, you need an oven to dry them. So imagine all that in the garage the oven, the machine, the temperature has to be like at a specific point so the ink doesn't dry. We learned that we didn't enjoy that process. So we moved on to the next one, which was ask first of all, we ask ourselves, what are we going to do next? And we transition (laughs) a little bit into the digital world. We started looking online. How do we make money online? How do I make money in my couch eating chips, right? <laughs> you could tell we had the wrong mindset
1: at that <laughs> point. Uh, but I want to clarify for the audience, that was just fancy stuff. <laughs> like, that, I yeah, I do not eat <laughs> chips in the couch. Yeah, yeah,
2: that, that, that <laughs> was just me. But I, I clearly had the wrong mindset about going and, and making money. Mm. But around that point, we found out this course from a great greatly controversial individual in the in the digital marketing space but honestly he sold us the idea of building a digital marketing agency Mm -hmm. and we pay a thousand bucks for a course we did like 50 percent of it and then we felt that we could conquer the world and just go out and start selling and that's what we did right we started going out and as we sold we started figuring things out but more than a business it was We were just being freelancers at that point because we were saying yes to any opportunity, no systems, no processes, no staff. It was just my brother and I. And eventually got to a point right after doing courses, right, social media for restaurants, dentists, nutritionists, like we did a whole bunch of stuff. And it got to a point where people were just asking for content and content and we cannot... uh, we discovered that the that other forte, we were pretty decent at, at doing that, right? And eventually it's like, okay, can we dedicate more time and, you know, resources into leveling up or set in this um, market, if you want to call it that way, right? And that's what we decided to do, right? That came along with a pretty big investment that we did in, uh, in a mastermind that actually helped us a lot to niche down, if you want to put it that way. But it was more, I see it more as, Focusing, they they really help us down. Focusing on what we were good at, how we could help people, and scaling from that, right. And after that, then we became a business, right. We hire people, team members. Um, we started getting more clients. We got systems, we got processes, and then the podcast was born. Content is profit.
0: So you guys did all that before the podcast even came integration.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, and even before that, right? Like before uh, United States that. United States story starts in 2010, and then even before that, we even had some stuff that we we're doing on the on the in the background. And our dream was to always be professional soccer players. So there's a lot to uncover there. But yeah, there was a lot of tries, a lot of things, a lot of opportunities mm-hmm. that led to to what people are experiencing now with the show and and with our business.
0: Nice, nice. So I mean, you guys obviously content is kind of part of your your overall branding, and it, people hear content. Let's just define, let's unpack that a little bit. Because again, content can be so many yeah. different things. Yeah. Content could be a podcast, it could be video, it could be books, it could be blogs. So when you're talking about like creating content, like what kind of system and what kind of content are you developing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, we see it a little bit different, I think, uh, with the conversations that we've had in the last couple of years. Um, the reaction that we get is like, oh, that's a, maybe a different, very um Original way to see it, right? We see it as content ecosystem, right? The podcast is our main pillar, uh, main be, mainly because it's the one platform that we that we were able to be consistent over two years. Right before that, we tried many different things. We try to like mimic and copy what other people were 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 doing. You know, normally people start there and it's it's hard to sustain. But the podcast became this one pillar that we would do every single Monday, Wednesday, Friday, right? And until now, two years in a row, we we've done it. And uh, from that podcast, then we can create other assets that then become part of the content ecosystem. Mm. So that content ecosystem can be Instagram posts, Facebook posts, uh, anything related to the podcast, audio, video, clean cut on YouTube, like all these little pieces that add to it. But it didn't start there. It just started with with publishing on one thing. So that's Mm -hmm. one point of view. And also how we've been able to to attach the podcast to the revenue side and the sales system on our business because we needed to when we started the show, mm-hmm. it was in a in a place where we really needed to save the business. We had about 60 days of runway. A lot of the business that we had at the time was local businesses. And we're like, what is the fastest path to a relationship that could potentially be a client, uh referral, something like that? And the podcast allowed us to to do that, right? So that's in the last two years that has being the way or the 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 background on yeah. how we've been able to tackle content,
2: I just want to add a, like a few things in there. A lot of people see content mostly as a vehicle of promotion, right on the sense of like I need to create content to drive traffic to whatever it is that I'm building. um We see that as a collateral benefit, right building content, driving traffic to your offers, your website, whatever it is that you're trying to drive traffic to is a collateral benefit of producing good content. But for us, content is mainly a great way to to distill ideas, to build a strong and powerful network. I mean, we wouldn't know you if it wasn't because you came to to our podcast, right? And we actually, once we connected, we saw that we had people in common that have been on the podcast, right? So that... That has shifted through time. Obviously, we understand that yes, content can be just strictly used as promotional, but we see it most, mostly as the collateral benefit because our main purpose is on developing these relationships, right? And from that, a whole bunch of other benefits like come out of that.
0: That's not. Nice. I mean, it's, it's sexy when you when, when you describe it that way. Because I mean, right now you're using podcasting as that that formula, that keystone, right? But you mm-hmm. could easily swap out that podcast for a YouTube channel, or you could easily swap out that podcast for um, video blogging, or just writing books. And then from that content that you get yeah. from that book, or from that video podcast, or that video um, blog, then you have all these other elements of content. And mm-hmm. essentially, what you're doing is you're setting up a pipeline of content, and that's the biggest issue that most people are they're, they're suffering from with social media. It's kind of like well, I don't know what to post. I don't know. I don't have enough content to post. What can I post? And they may be sitting on hours and hours of content, but they don't know how to repurpose that content. So, what you guys are self-defining is is taking content and repurposing it to where you're creating your own ecosystem to then build revenue. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah
1: absolutely. One one maybe asterisk in there. Instead of uh, repurposing, we like to call it multi-purposing, right? Because it's with mm-hmm. very it's it's with intention. Repurposing uh, is something that you create, and then you're like, oh, how can like, what else can we do with this thing? And it's kind of like an afterthought, right? Like uh, at, the, and at the beginning, it started that way. But then after that is, okay, how can we be clinical with the approach that we take with the show, for example, right? Like, are we actually doing guest assets for our guests? Like, how can we leverage uh, this experience that we have with them? How can we actually create an experience that also involves content, right? And it's constantly evolving in that sense. Um, there's also parts of those videos and very specific questions that maybe are not just for social, but maybe for sales pages or different landing pages that that we might have right now or in the future, right? So the idea is to start tackling this, uh, remove the friction for production as much as possible. And then once you get going with consistency, start looking in ways like, okay, this is the main objective. How else can I leverage mm-hmm. this one hour that maybe I'm spending with somebody that I've try to communicate with for a long time or with this idea that I've been trying to express for a long time. Right? Uh, one example of this has been, uh, we had an interview with an incredible friend now and through that interview, this concept of publishing pyramid came up. She, she asked this question, we're like, how do you guys kind of tackle content? And we started describing this situation and this con- concept came up in that interview. After the interview, we sat down and by the way, this was like a 10 minute interview we sat down and we debriefed and we're like wow that was incredible and that concept of publishing pyramid has become one of our keynotes has become a program has become a great resource for introducing people into our service into the things that we do because um it's a framework that has allowed us and it really became the framework for us to go off of in any type of content production side of things so it's like okay can we look forward other than that just social content right that is so important mm-hmm. right and we have to set up a system and a process to make sure that that continues consistently mm-hmm. at a different level right depending on where you are uh, in your in your journey but at the same time it's like can we actually do it consciously and not as an afterthought um, because if it's done af- like an afterthought, probably we won't put in the care and the love that 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 needs to to nice to nice. live.
0: And I'm listening to you. I mean, you're you're, you're spitting out like all like the, the keywords that made me smile, right? You're talking about process. You're talking about <laughs> systems. You're talking about automations. And you're talking about like foundations, SOPs. You're talking about all these different things. So like, let's talk about that some more, right? So if someone's coming to you, are, are you guys facilitating this through like staff? Do you guys have like a team of people that's going to execute these services? Or if you guys are at the level to where you've created a platform to kind of plug in some information and get some content back?
2: Yeah, so right now we do have a team. Um, it's funny you you mentioned that. This I'm gonna go back a little bit in our in our story, right? But we always heard you you need to niche down in like a market, right? Like who is the person that you're actually serving? And throughout us throughout this process, we actually told ourselves many times like we don't want to niche down because we want to work with multiple people, right? Like. We just don't want to work with gyms or we just don't want to work with like dentists, you know, no offense to them. But we're like, we want to learn about everybody's business and see what they're up to and just help as many people as we can. And throughout this, you know, journey and learning different things, we cannot realize that there's a few other ways to niche down, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You got the, we call it the three P's of differentiation, which is uh, personality, right? Product and processes. So for us, it was like, man, like if you see, um, let's, let's say Elon Musk, right, which is one of the biggest entrepreneurs right now, uh, if not the biggest, he has the personality, clearly he has the product, clearly, right? And he has the processes, right? Like he has all three of those. But most people just talk about the, you know, niche down on the product and who you're serving. Mm-hmm. What we realize is like, well... With our podcast, we kind of differentiate ourselves a little bit with our personality and the way we run the podcast and we try to make it fun and and all that stuff. But in the business, we decided to focus more on the process, right? What is a process that is unique in the market that regardless of who is coming to us, we can give them the, um, the desired output, right? The promised output. So that's what we set out to build. We set out to build that process where, okay, you want content you're making X, y, and C already, we can help turn that into desired output. right It doesn't matter what their desired output is. as long as it comes through the process, we can meet that exact thing, right? So we started building that first for ourselves because we had the podcast and we wanted to you know build our own content. and be, before that pre that it was a little messy. But after you know a few iterations we started seeing like, wow, it doesn't matter how much input we put, we got the output, right? Input, output. And at the end of the day, now is obviously uh, very optimized. We're actually consistently looking to optimize it even more, right? How can we increment the capacity of the team without sacrificing the quality of the output and all those those questions? But we kind of like decided to niche down on, on the process. We call it the M2M, macro to micro. And yeah, it's been absolutely amazing because that is the bread and butter of what we do.
0: Nice, nice. I think you brought about a really solid point. It kind of goes back to like one of my branding keynotes. And I was trying to give this example of like branding at scale. And the example I use is like Apple. So Apple itself is a brand. Steve Jobs is a brand and then the iPhone is a brand. And it's like you guys are saying the same exact thing, but you got the twist of talking about the processes behind the scenes. So seeing yeah. that commonality is definitely refreshing that that's the model that, that you're going with. So like my next question is like you two as individuals, right? You In your bio, you talk about you guys were fighting. You guys are brothers, obviously growing up, and that's why I was making the, being facetious in, in the earlier part of this podcast, talking about uh, are they Iron Man and, and, and Captain America? You know, are they on the same team, but occasionally they fight. So my question is, is like running a partnership is hard enough, but running a partnership with a sibling how how do how do you guys manage that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's funny, like this this is a question that that never fails. And uh, you know, to to this day, it's not gonna not gonna say it's easy, right? Like, uh, but. Uh, we've we've had multiple conversations almost every single day. We've established systems on how do we actually communicate with these things, how do we solve challenges, assigning responsibilities. There was a stage where we were both jumping on the same calls, we were both doing the same things, we we're both doing the same thing. And I remember being on this event, and Fonse comes up to me and he's like, Hey, dude. I mean, it's two of us. <laughs> we should be doing Multiple things, right? Like, it's like, uh, we need to be a little bit smarter. And that that was a, a, a moment where we started to really look into how we operate on a day-to-day. How do we actually recognize the strength of somebody mm-hmm. and and, and kind of let, let go. So, for example, like right now, we're going through, I feel like that process, right? Like, Fonzie is really good at managing and helping and serving the clients that we have right now. On my side, I feel like I'm a little bit stronger on the outreach side of things on starting those relationships or managing that. So we're like, okay, with that strength, like I feel actually good doing this. How can we start implementing? Then there's going to be some friction. We got to assume that there's going to be friction coming because it always comes. And it's like, how can we solve that problem? Like what is the next thing? So I think establishing systems, for example, we do a weekly meeting every Thursday morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're like, okay, this is the place where we actually talk about, the hard things this is the place where we actually there's no judgment on mm-hmm. the feedback that comes i remember one day Fonzie called me out because i was being very resistant to very uh, like ideas on changing the process which is our baby right so it's like okay how do we do this and I, and and he called me out he's like dude i feel like you're very resistant every single time i, I bring up an idea like you push back hard mm-hmm. and we really have to look inside and be like is this for the benefit of the team is, is for the benefit of both of us. And we have a very big and powerful why as well. Our family is back home. We like to bring them that the, the goal is to build this business to be able to provide and family always comes first. And uh, at the end of the day, we always look at that. We are like, well, we're brothers first and then we're business partners, right? So it's like at the end of the day, I really want a good relationship with my brother. And yeah, there's going to be hiccups and there's going to be speed bumps. But at the end of the day, it's like, what's, we have to go back to that. So there's a, yeah. there's a few moments that, that we've had to kind of revisit that point of
2: view. Yeah. You know, whether you are a family or not, I think it comes down to communication. I have, you know, also leave all sorts of expectations aside. Um, I might butcher this a little bit, but I heard it once. Ex- expectations are uncommunicated commitments, right? Mm-hmm. And if you have expectations on the other person, guess what? They don't know that. So... If you have some expectations, tell them and see if they can be realistic, if they can be met by the other person. So communication is key. And I remember this a while back, I heard uh, from an interview of Tom Bilyeu. He was talking because him and his wife, they used to run Quest together. And I remember them talking about decision-making and how important it was, obviously, in every business, very important to make the right decisions. So how... Do they manage to make important decisions when there's two of them, right? And they might have different opinions. So they shared their process. They had rules around making decisions. If they couldn't agree on something, one of them had to say above the other person. And guess what? That doesn't mean that the other person is more important than the other one. You got to leave your ego aside at the end of the day. What is the common goal, right? You have your goal, which is to take your business to x y and c and is the decision going to benefit this yes or no so if you cannot get to an agreement well guess what my brother has the final say if we need to do something right and you got to commit to that and be okay that that might be an option so sometimes i feel like in partnerships ego gets in the way lack of communication and like my brother said it's just transparency and honesty right if i feel that he is being defensive at certain moments I will let him know. Sometimes, you know, uh, I let maybe my personal life, which is sort totally of normal, drip into uh, my business and some meetings. And then he calls me out too. He's like, hey man, like I see you're a little bit down, right? Uh, why don't you go take a break or something? Cool, I appreciate that. And, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think it's a matter of whether you're relatives or not. I think it's a matter of having that common goal and then building a strong foundation on communication, trust, and transparency, honesty, right?
0: Hmm. It's interesting, I mean, that's that one of the questions that you kind of answered before I asked it was kind of like, well, it's 50-50, right? So like, like where's the odd ball in this to kind of make the final decision? And you were saying that like, no matter what you guys are debating on, it's going to be a logical decision. But at the end, all of you guys come to a standstill, then uh, Lewis has final decision. So, that, I mean, that's just interesting. So that kind of leads me to like uh, like a question with you guys growing up and, and you guys and those that don't know, like I, I was born and raised in Trinidad. You guys were born and raised in Venezuela and we might as well be neighbors. I mean, we can see each other from from the, from the coast. Right. So yeah. like, let's just talk about that for a little bit. Like what was it like growing up in Venezuela versus where you guys are right now in in Florida?
1: Uh, Night and day, right? Like uh, we had. I mean, we're very blessed. We had a really good childhood. Uh, We have a loving family. They're all like we're all still together, right? Like uh, our mom is a college professor. Our dad is a chemical engineer that has been doing a bunch of stuff. (laughs) Uh, Except that, right? He he (laughs) currently sells insurance. Like, but the main goal growing up for us was playing professional soccer. So uh, that athlete mindset was was developed very early. Um, you know, we played every weekend, uh, and soccer seasons back home is full year. You start in September and you end up in April, right? Like it's, it's year round and you have summer to kind of do preseason and get back into it. Uh, so our life kind of revolved around that both, uh, we're almost four years apart, three and a half years apart. So growing up, he had his group of friends. I had my group of friends and it wasn't really until we hit like 18, you know, 19 that we really came together. I personally left home when I was 15 to play soccer in Italy for a year uh Fonzie was the unfortunate one that had to stay with my dad and my mom at <laughs> home <laughs> but we both had opportunities where we where we played soccer overseas and, and uh that was the the goal and that's kind of what led us also to the united states to yeah. apply for soccer scholarships and do that but growing together um obviously we fought as brothers right but we weren't probably as close as we are now in the relationship mm-hmm. Uh, we've lived together for a long time. Actually last year was when you actually moved out. Uh, you know, that's why we call him the Joey of the family. (laughs) Uh, and it was because, you know, we, we like to be together, right? Like my, my wife adores him. Right. So he's a great uncle as well. So like, just like a very good Hispanic family, we like to stay together. And that seems to be very weird (laughs) nowadays in the United States. Right.
2: Yeah. I mean, besides political, economical situation, like my brother mentioned, we were very fortunate of, you know, we weren't rich by any means. But, you know, we had all all of our needs uh, met and we managed to, you know, once in a while travel and see other cultures, see other people. But at the same time, I think we had very supportive parents, right? Sometimes I feel like we talk to other entrepreneurs and everybody has like those dark moments or like that that dark part of their history. And we're like, man, we were like, I feel like we we're pretty normal, right? <laughs> like, of course, we had our challenges and whatnot. But uh, yeah, we were blessed with a good family. But at the same time, we are actually, which is kind of odd, we were, at least I feel like we weren't that exposed to entrepreneurship. Right uh even though my dad has like tried multiple things here and there, um I wouldn't call it like an entrepreneur like when we were little, he did have like a venture that he was starting, and that didn't go well and after that he was more kind of like just trying to find his his next move right, but not starting businesses and stuff like that and we weren't that involved in that whole thing and then our mom being a college teacher, we pretty much grew up with the mindset of Well, we're gonna go do what makes us happy, which is play soccer, and then being very supportive. But we didn't really meet other people that started their own businesses or their own thing. And personally, for me, was like it's either soccer or a job, right? Like there was (laughs) there wasn't any other option, and I really didn't want to get a job, so it was just soccer (laughs) or soccer, right? At that point. But then when we started looking back uh, at our life, we started realizing that certain moments where entrepreneurship was around us for example we wanted to buy i don't know a game boy right and our parents were like well come up with the money right Mm -hmm. like i'm not gonna pay for that stuff you gotta pay it so sell something that you're not using to your friends or you know there's this counterfeit market that that's back home and they would sell like uh soccer jerseys um, so, you know, and we're like, hmm, let's go buy them at a very low price and then go sell them at the school for a profit. And we did that for a little bit, or we started making our own music CDs and selling them to our friends. All these initiatives that looking back at it, we're like, huh, we did have it in us to come up with the solutions. But I think that happened because our parents managed our resources, right? In a way unconscious i think it was unconscious right but instead of them saying yeah sure let's go and buy you this stuff the the way they presented it on figure it out here's a problem you find the solution that led us to you know start developing that thought process of okay well how do i start solving problems at first it was just for us how do i get the money to you know take out the girl that i like to the movies for example or eventually we needed to find scholarships so guess what we did? We called, email like two hundred soccer coaches here in the states to we send them out a video. It's like, hey, I'm from <laughs> Venezuela. I want to play soccer. I think I can play soccer for your team. Here, look at me play. And only like two of them answered, right? Mm-hmm. But those two offer a scholarship, and we managed to come here, right? So we that was the beginning of our outbound experience, if you want to put it that mm-hmm. way. But again, it it was very difficult in turn. It was very uh, different, not difficult, different in in terms of what we see here right now, how the people grow up and the system. Um, but at the same way, I think is similar in a way of people going with their day to day, trying to solve other people's problems, try to solve their own challenges. And that can lead them to, you know, ex opportunities.
0: Hmm. So, I mean, with that, I mean, obviously you're saying that your dad has some entrepreneur hustle to him to a certain extent. Your mom was more of an educator. And you guys kind of bounce these ideas around and you kind of grew up that way. But again, you guys were more driven towards becoming soccer players then, <laughs> then he was like i'm not going to work corporate america you guys end up being entrepreneurs you started a podcast so like my next question is like about continuing on that family the family um topic like so how do you guys currently manage based upon the experiences that you've had with your current family with your work life and your family life
1: yeah um i mean Fonzie's is a nomad um uh, not hacking
2: <laughs> i i just i i so my our family is still back home, our parents are back home. Yeah. Uh, we try to obviously stay communicate as much as possible. The goal is to give them the opportunity to do whatever they want, right? If they they want to come here and, and be with us close to family, uh close to their nephews. No. Grandkids. Yeah. Grandkids. <laughs> <Good job. laughs> close to their grandkids. <laughs> and and of course, like we want to give them that that opportunity, right? Yeah. Like we we love our parents. Um, for me personally, I have a girlfriend, but we don't have kids or anything. So my focus is fully on on the business. I do play soccer still. I cannot leave soccer aside. <laughs> like, gotta say that I play like five times a week. Yeah. So I'm still very much involved in soccer. I coach, right? Which is a great way for me to, you know, pass down what I learned mm-hmm. to, you know, the next generation. And it's also very rewarding to Coach, if you've never coached before, it's very, very rewarding to see, you know, kids uh, grow up and become better. And, you know, maybe you are a positive influence in their life as well. But it's mostly work. There's not that much balance, if i <laughs> if I got to be honest.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, you know, on my side, obviously, I'm, I'm married. My wife is Canadian. Different culture, right? Like, than than me as well. And uh, different culture than even this country. So, which, by the way, I think the baby just came in and he's like, what's up? <laughs> um, and obviously, we have a three-year-old. We're about to, we're expecting the second kid. So, one of the questions, right? It's like, okay, my, to my own family, like, what's this going to be like, right? And uh, to me, it comes down to opportunities. Can I actually provide the opportunities, you know? back home uh part of the issue was always money right like we're always having this conversation about there's not enough money or like that was like the the thing you know mainly with with our dad right and we're like that to me was a is an experience is the thing that I'm still working on right to this day I'm mm-hmm. like I don't want to be in that position where money is a big factor of why we make decisions, why we like uh, create experiences for our family or provide those opportunities. And that's probably the main driver on why we started this or why, in my case, why I continue to do this every single day. Um, Hi, Luca. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There he is. Um, So, you know, no i'm i'm very fortunate also that that i have a wonderful wife right she is the complete opposite of an entrepreneur she's perfectly happy and loves the work that she does right and uh, she has no interest in the entrepreneurial life as well but she supports 100% of what we do every single day right she's like okay look as long as we're are spending time together as long as we have our uh, you know our baby and you spend time with the baby right then go do your thing go have fun because She's seen me in both scenarios. Like she's seen me in an environment where I had to hold a job that I didn't really enjoy at all. And that was miserable for everybody. Right. So she's like, okay, perfect. Let's do both. Okay. Um, so in that sense, like how do I, you know, how do I raise my kids to be like that? I think is a is a is a blank canvas, right? And I think that's the exciting part because we're able to communicate through the podcast or through the experiences that we've had with incredible people and we can grab the best of all these cultures of all these like operating systems, if you call it I and mean, be like, how can we apply it to our daily life so we can actually provide value and service, not just to our family, but the people around us.
0: Nice. Nice. So, I mean, it seems that like you guys obviously are kind of like opposites, but you guys have some similar attractions and you kind of work together when one person's mm-hmm. weak, the other person is strong. So yeah, with that, I mean, like Fonz, what's, what's your morning habits, your morning routines look like?
2: <laughs> yeah. So, I've tried quite a few things. So about almost a year ago, I moved out to closer to the beach. So I would get up early and just go off for a walk, sit down, try to meditate. You know, I've tried the journaling. I tried the getting up early in the morning and working out. And nowadays I am just waking up. I go out the door and I go to a coffee shop and start doing work Mm -hmm. as early as I can. Right. So... I tried a lot of things. I wouldn't say I have a routine. I feel like and I want to say this with a grain of salt, right? I do agree that it's very important to have some sort of routine or something that gets you in the zone, right? And I and I underst and this is what I understood later on you need to find your own how, right? Because I was trying to replicate what other people would say. They would start saying, you got to start your morning journaling, right? You got to start your morning doing X, Y, and C." And I was like, okay, I got to start my morning doing that. And guess what? Like that was, wasn't just like being with me. Like it wasn't uh, true to probably who I, I was at the moment. Also, I don't believe you're going to have a one morning routine for the rest of your life. It can be the right morning routine for that season of your life, right? So, Right now, I'm in the season of my life where I just wake up, you know, brush my teeth, wash my face, put on some some decent clothes, and then I just go out the the door and go to the coffee shop to do some work. That being said, there's days that I wake up and I'm like, man, I don't want to go straight to work yet. Let me go out and take a walk at the beach or do something else, right? So I just wanted to put that in there because I feel like sometimes when people speak about these morning routines there might be a notion of everybody needs one and everybody needs to commit to one for a long period of time. And that view has changed a little bit in me. What I do try to practice uh, on a daily basis is gratitude. Um, we have a call with our team every morning. And the first thing that we, that everybody does is you say what we're grateful for. And then we we move on from there. So yeah, yeah that being said, I, I've I feel like it, it has been a challenge to me to find maybe something that I can s- stick with for the very long term. Mm-hmm. But as I mentioned, you know, kind of like those beliefs are changing a little bit and I'm okay with just transitioning from one thing to the other as of right now.
1: Yeah. Um, for me, I've been really diving into this concept of containers. Huh. Uh, so, you know, we have You know, in my personal life, I have Luca container. That's my time with with the baby, right? Like I have work container. I have workout container. I have food container. Like what are these containers that I can actually... Food container. Food (laughs) container. Yeah, literally. It's like my my time to eat, like lunch, right? Or my, my time, like Luis's time container, right? I recently... Uh, I, I've been doing like a, a very diligently um, time tracking. So I've been time tracking my activities, mainly also be like, okay, what are the, where am I spending the time? What makes sense in the business? Is this driving revenue or not driving revenue? Could we plug somebody in in there in part for that, but also time tracking my personal side because I understand that, Probably I need like two to two and a half hours of Louisa that time with like no wife, no kid, no work, no nothing to recharge, right? And that could mean meditation. That could be read. That could be playing video games. That could be going on a run with a, with the dog, going one wheeling with the dog. Like, I don't know what that is, but at least I have that container. So what happens is I've been adapting my schedule based off of that. So mm-hmm. for me personally, like Fonzie said, I'm very productive in the morning. So the last few days I've been up at five. And uh, the coffee shop that I have like next to my house, they opened the door for us at that time. And I literally go in there and crank out as much as my my own work, because as soon as nine starts, it's all calls and meetings and all these things. And then by noon, we have a few things left, but then we can enjoy part of the afternoon, like Monday, for example, we book some time and we play some video games at 3 p.m. in the afternoon, right? Until I had to go pick up the, the kids. So for me, the last few weeks that has been so important. And I'm having the second kid in like a week, so that's probably gonna go out the window, <laughs> so <laughs> st- staying like very flexible and nimble to where you can adapt, but identifying those areas where, hey, maybe I need a recharge, and maybe the recharge is going over your affirmations or going meditate or maybe going to a workout, maybe take a nap. What is that and like Fonzie say, leaning into your own how I think is super important
0: nice, I mean, I'm just listening to you guys speaking and got you guys are like. Like the yin and the yang like you guys are completely opposites, but you guys have some similarities right if i if I was to throw out a card with soccer, you both would jump in right if I throw out podcasts and you both jump in but like the way you guys carry yourselves and the way you're you're depicting your day to day and your lifestyles and, and your and the way you process things are uniquely different right which is it's interesting to kind of hear that so and and going into like my next question is like I think both of you this answer may be similar it may not right so what books would you guys want to recommend if you could pick a book and if you can pick a book which would be your your, your go-to book
2: well funny you ask I actually because <laughs> i have all my book most of my books at my place and there's this one book that i'm like where did i leave it i don't remember because it was really really good and I actually i just found it right here at the office is nice. this one i mean grab it it's called the courage to be disliked it's a very good book. Uh, the reason I picked it up is because I want to read it again because it's that good. Um, you know, you only retain a small percentage of what you read. So I just want to read it over and over to soak it in. So it'll be two books, what I remember. And before, you know, sharing this, I would first ask, where, what type of book are you looking to read? Right? Like in what aspect of your life? Do you need, you know, uh, maybe that extra help or those extra words that can, you know, teach you something, uh, for me lately has been a very internal journey of personal growth. Yeah. So that's why the courage to be disliked. It's a pretty good one. It's about at, Ad- at, Ad- Ad- psychology, if I'm not mistaken, um, that's the name. Um, but also your erroneous zones by, I forgot the name of the author, but very good book. Very, very good book. Your Erroneous Stones. That was actually the first book. Wayne Dyer. Uh, yeah, Wayne Dyer. Um, was actually the first book that my mom gave me when I came to the mm. US. She's like, read this. This is absolutely amazing. I didn't read it, of course, for like five years. I just carried it around with me. And then when I finally decided to read it, I was like, wow, this is very powerful, right? And it honestly, both books kind of overlap a little bit. But it's in terms of looking inside. What can you control? And then how to react to things, um, it just you know makes you. I feel like it makes you a better person.
1: <laughs> it, it, it's funny the way that you ask this question because it's totally different answer. <laughs> so you know on the personal side, I've been working with a coach uh, for for a while now. So my that's how I probably receive the information a little bit better. Um, if I consume books. In a different way, I listen to them. My wife has, you know, said that that's not really reading. <laughs> uh, it's not reading. It's not, <laughs> really. <is> not reading, <laughs> But at the end of the day, it's like how how can I actually consume the information a little bit better, maybe maybe faster? And to me, I my attention goes there. But um, a really good one that I've been using a lot lately is exactly what to say. Uh Phil Phil Jones uh an amazing speaker, like he was one of the initial guests of one of our first clients and we've been obsessed and is is very short and it's incredible. So on my side, I'm the operator side of the thing. So like I create the systems, I, I test the systems myself. So that has been helping me a ton in in our outbound for relationships, right? It's not even sales wise, it's like for the relationships. So that has been huge. Um on the business side ultimate sales machine massive classic mm. it's literally a roadmap, and they're about to release a new a new edition soon they can't wait um so on my side it has been more on the on the business and i remember listening i can't remember exactly what they said but uh, who was it but what they said was if you read about one topic multiple books and multiple things right you start noticing that some of those contradict each other and you're like and then cre- it creates somewhat of confusion right because you develop this point of view leaning towards this one side and then you read something else equally successful and he explains something completely opposite about the same topic and you're like okay well that created some conflict in my mind because I'm like oh boy I thought there was like one secret formula for everything and that's what it was right but there's multiple points of view and multiple things and multiple roads that can lead to success and so like fancy said you know we probably ask like where are you in your life right so the depends the recommendation depends on that. But for me that opened the world to like okay maybe I read And what, like the thing, the one boulder, the one nugget that like really serves me today is the thing that I'm going to implement. And since I personally took that approach, sometimes I don't even read the book, the the full book. I just read the part that I need for that moment in time. And then maybe I reread it. And then I I will read or I consume something completely different that will help me in that moment. So that's how I've been tackling reading in the last like year and a half, probably, or consuming books in the last year and a half.
0: So I think that's interesting. So like, this, this just switch from books to tools, right? So again, you guys are polar opposite so far. So like, if you could pick one tool, and you could pick another tool, what tools did you guys use on a day to day basis that you would not be able to do what you're doing currently without access to? Oh, boy. Okay, Diz, I'll go Diz, first. Yeah, you go first.
1: My favorite tool has been the software called Notion. <laughs> it's a second brain on steroids. We build every single process in there. To me, it's been incredible. We've been helping clients with it as well. And I cannot do like with the team or in, in general, kind of like that runs, if if the servers goes down, I'm screwed. That's it, like game over. <laughs> so maybe I should diversify a little bit. But today, that tool for like almost a year has been my go-to. It's always on.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I do enjoy Notion. I mean, I I have no... You know, no other (laughs) tool to fall on because we have everything inside of our business in there. But for me, this right here has nothing beats pen and paper, if I'm being honest. Uh, I carry it with me all the time. If I go out to dinner with friends, guess what? I bring this thing. If somebody says something interesting, yes, I'm the weird guy that opens my little notepad and take notes of it. If I have thoughts, I put them down in here. It's just a way for me to consistently just get things out of my head, mm-hmm. uh, get reminders on. Yes, a lot of this information gets lost after you know I'm done writing about it. But also a lot of that information I get, I go back to and I'm like, hmm, maybe this requires a little bit more attention, more love. Let me look into it. Let me learn some more. When I'm reading, I take notes. I put them here. When we're having conversations, I take notes. I put them here, right? And it's just, it has been a great tool. If you see my backpack um inside i have like 10 of these things that i just like been stacking through time right and i i need to find a place for them um but at the end of the day it has been incredibly amazing having something i can just put my thoughts outside of my head and and clear the the fogginess in here
0: nice nice I mean, I'm just I I, I love I love this interview because, I mean, again, I don't always have the opportunity to interview two different people at the same time. So like this next question is it's kind of playing off of that yin and yang again. If you guys have an opportunity to talk to, to say, a younger version of yourself, someone that may be listening to this podcast and they may be four years apart, they may be cousins or they may be siblings or whatever it is. And they're like, great, like these guys have kind of figured it out. What words of wisdom would you guys like to leave behind for them to help them to continue on their journey?
1: Mm. You're gonna uh, throw me under the bus, or you
0: that's throw you in the bus? do you
1: have something already? I do.
2: All right, then you go ahead.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, to me, well, the first thing is start publishing somehow. Not just the benefit on the business side, but also the benefit internal. Uh, what there's something that happens when you start putting your thoughts into words and putting it out to the world. That's gonna change everything, right? You start actually being. Am I being honest with myself? Am I actually doing the things I say I, I will do? Like we we hit for the longest time a few years without publishing. Right. And it wasn't until like this business guy was like, well, where's your stuff? And we're like, Oh, that's what like the whole publishing thing started. And we're like, we have to actually be honest and and be true with ourselves. And if we want to be that person, we have to do it. And the, the way that we did it was we chose to publish. Um, whether that's writing, whether that's podcasting, whether that's video like find find the way that you can do it because that is gonna ignite a- ma- massive transformation and the second thing that I've been working really really hard in the last few months that has helped me massively is awareness like hyper awareness on how I feel, why I feel that way, and it almost always comes down to myself right so um that has been going back to the brotherly topic, right? Like, obviously there's things that I do that probably, you know, makes my brother very angry. There's things that he does that makes myself pretty angry or there are things that maybe my wife does. And I've been taking a second to kind of slow down. Maybe I have an initial reaction and then that initial reaction triggers the hyper-awareness. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm feeling this way. I'm feeling anger. I'm feeling frustration. Why, right? And then it's like this crazy, like the ugly truth, right? And then you're like, okay. It goes down to me because I didn't do that or X, Y, Z, right? Whatever. So the first step is that hyper-awareness. Identify those situations and maybe don't do anything with them. Just like be hyper-aware that you're feeling that way and just acknowledging that moment is going to gonna bring massive clarity. So those two things for me.
2: Yeah, I have. I, I took the time to write the top three that came into my mind at the moment. But the first one would be to redefine failure, right? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people are afraid of making mistakes, just failing in general, right? There's a lot of the message of like, oh, you're either a winner or a loser. And I want to clarify this. I'm personally not one for participation trophies. I (laughs) I do like being competitive and winning and coming in first place. There's
1: a reason we don't play FIFA anymore.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we get very competitive. But I do want to share this. It's very important that when you are being competitive and you're trying to win, when you don't succeed at that, don't look at it as failure, but look at it as learning, right? Okay, what did I learn here? It's just an, a, an evolution. It's a step closer to winning. And sometimes we learn more from those failures, right? I'm doing air quotes in here uh, than from the victory. So that'll be number one, redefine failure. The same one. The second one is that nobody knows, right? And it is in a sense that everybody's going through life, figuring it out <laughs> one step at a time. And sometimes we are just obsessed with trying to learn who has that secret to success, right? Who knows what they're doing that they can just give me all. And guess what? Yes, they, are, they might be a few steps ahead of you, but also their how is not necessarily your how, but you can learn from everybody, but just go one step at a time. I actually just recently heard an interview with uh, Damon John and he was like, dude, I still don't know what I'm doing. I'm still just going <laughs> one step at a time. And I was like, I love it, right? I love that transparency. Um, And and there's actually a quote that I I read pretty often that it says, and I'm kind of butchering a little bit, but it says, most famous people that you know, uh, you know, uh, successful people that you know, they don't know what they're doing. They are just doing, right? And sometimes we just get so concerned on what is it that I need to do That we don't do on the moment. So be present and, you know, just remind yourself that nobody knows what they're doing. They're just taking action. They're just doing something. Um, So take action and get momentum. And then the very last one, it goes hand in hand with my brother and that awareness, which is reflect and learn. Sometimes, especially right now, I feel we live in a very noisy world. Lots of things, lots of inputs every single time. And we don't really stop to think and you know reflect on how could could we be better right and i'm a victim of this and i'm actually saying it in a way to remind myself right now to stop at moments and think about things and reflect how can i improve here what do i need to let go of Hmm. and that i feel like that right there is the way to just move your life forward because it even if not we just get in a you know, the hamster wheel and we just go, 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 go. And that's, I feel that's when we start feeling stuck, when we don't take a pause and reflect on what we're doing.
0: Very nice. Very nice. So, I mean, with that, I mean, the next part of this is both you guys said some things that were so powerful and anyone that's listening and they're like, I gotta get in contact with you. Like, I, I want, I want more, right? So, like, let's just talk about, like, how does someone? I mean, what do you guys want to pitch? You want to talk about the podcast? You want to talk about your your HubSpot ten k mean, all of the above. Let, let, let's just run run down the list.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first thing is, if you made it this far, thank you. Uh, <laughs> we're
0: excited to hang out with you. So,
1: the probably the the best place to kind of get to know us a little bit better is the podcast. So you can go to Content's Profit. It's everywhere. Uh, we recently announced a partnership with HubSpot and uh, they became an amazing partner in this journey of publishing. So we're having a, a 10K of bonuses and different things uh, going on right now. So it depends on when you listen to this episode. There's always going to be probably something going on on, the, on that side. But right now you can go to contentsprofit.com and opt in for awesome prices and different things. Uh, I think those are the best two ways to kind of get in contact other than social media. For right now, it's us. So if you send us a DM and we respond, it's us. If we don't respond, that's us too. Uh, so I say that because Fancy never responds. So te- you can text me.
0: <laughs> that's hilarious. So going into uh, the bonus round, and this is like my signature question that, again, I think you guys are going to have uniquely different answers. Uh, so if you, either one of you could spend 24 hours with anyone dead or alive uninterrupted for those 24 hours, who would it be and why? Oh, man. Yeah, That's,
2: that's a very a- difficult question.
1: Um, uh, to me, it's going to depend on the bucket. <laughs> so, uh, around this bucket of entrepreneurship and different things, um, I think I've been pretty obsessed lately with Rob Deerdick. I've, I've heard a couple of his interviews and it's insane how he runs his life and he optimized for happiness. Um, that's how he calls it. So, um, yeah, I've been listening to a lot of the interviews and the things on how he does it hence like my time tracking and the different things that I'm trying to do today. So today probably Rob Jirjuk will be an amazing person to, to spend 24 hours with.
2: Nice. Yeah. If I'm being honest, I could spend hours here just thinking who <laughs> I would like to, yeah. to me. Um, there's so many people, like my brother said, depending on what I'm trying to learn, there's different people for, for each one of those. And I don't think I personally regard anybody like higher than any, than, than anybody else. Um, I think everybody has their own very unique stories. So is your but answer
1: me? No, because I
2: hang out <laughs> with you pretty much every day. Uh, but, you know, going off of recent events, I heard this podcast about Thomas Alba Edison that seemed to be a very weird, awesome person. And I would love to, you know, just hang out with him. And he's one of those like mad genius, right? That was obsessed with what, what they were doing. And I've had that that thought, right? Like, what would mean to be absolutely obsessed with what you're doing, right? I do think we're obsessed with what we do, but not to that like mad genius level. I think that that's a whole concept that people cannot really like comprehend how obsessed these people are. Yeah. Um, and you know, just to see what it takes to reach those heights of success and building literally a legacy, like those guys uh, build a legacy. So I'm I'm I'll be curious too meet that person
0: nice nice well i mean with that i mean i definitely i think this is one of the episodes that we could probably continue to keep talking and it'd be like a joe <laughs> rogan episode four hours in to kind of really but i think you guys deliver so much different value so much different insight yeah. and, and the listener if you're listening this is one episode you got to have to stop and rewind and go back and listen to a couple of different times to kind of hear their processes hear their systems and just hear the, the sheer joy of what they're doing and where they are in life right now so i definitely really want to say thank you guys for being on the show today say thank, thank you man, you,
1: man. It's, it was a pleasure
0: Yeah, it was awesome. Great. S.A. Grant, over and out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an Uncaged trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762-233-BOSS that's 762-233-2677 I would love to hear from you remember to become a boss in cage you have to release your inner beast S.A. Grant signing off Listeners of Boss Uncaged are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.